Well, welcome to worship today, and I hope this is what I hope for. So if you're not there, if you're young people, there most of our teenagers are traveling. The children are in children's church today, so there's a void, it seems like, in the church today, right? Uh, so that's some of those younger ones. So it's good because here's what I'd hope for today. I hope that you came to church today. You have some kind of body ache. You've been going through some kind of medical condition. You're getting older, and you just every time you stand to be, you make those noises. Um, you get you got choked on food this week. Uh, you sprang an ankle. Uh, you caught the COVID. I just hope all of us came this morning with some kind of junk on our plate. Because if you didn't come this morning with some junk on your plate, you won't really appreciate the message today. And this message obviously is from the Word of God. So. If you're in any kind of pain or have been or have any kind of problems or have had problems in the last week, welcome to the club, amen? Club human is what we should call it because we all have issues uh, that we need addressed. We know that um, toothaches and headaches and stomach aches and feet aches, uh, unless it goes around the world, does not what the problems that we have. And oh, my coworkers or my mama or my daddy or my sister, my brother, my professor, we got issues, do we not? And I want you to understand today, welcome to the club. I want you to read something. I want to read something today. It's not in the original message, but I want you to go to, if you would, to John chapter 3 first, and then we'll get into our scripture today. John chapter 3. There was a man, the Bible says, of, of, of Israel. There was a leader of the Jews. His name was Nicodemus. He was a senior adult man, probably, probably his late 50s, maybe early 60s. He comes to Jesus. And this is why Jesus is living. Jesus has not died on the cross yet. Uh, so it's, he's, he's on his way to the cross. And Nicodemus, he was a, a high-ranking official, religious and political. And he comes to Jesus and he says, look what it says in John chapter 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Now we know that Jesus turned back around just really quick to him and said, not thank you, not appreciate what you just said to me. Those are kind words. What did Jesus say? Look at your verse. Look at verse 3. Jesus says clearly to him and answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, Nicodemus in verse 4 says, How can the man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? It was a legitimate question, a little bit sarcastic, knowing that no, a grown man obviously can't go back into his mother's womb. So he was ignorant because he didn't know what Jesus was talking about. And he was a little bit sarcastic at the same time. And he's still the ruler of the Jews. Listen, when you get into a position of authority, you don't lose that position of authority until you either retire, get fired, or step down, right? Uh, you don't lose that position, so we got to be careful how we respond uh, to people. Sometimes you, when someone, you say something to someone, you speak from a position of authority, right? Or you might speak from a position, if somebody asks you and you go, um, hey, is, what does Pastor Clint like to do outside of church? And, and I've said time and time again, I hope that you find that I'm the same person that's on the, the Hobby Lobby or Cracker Barrel, wherever I might be, that I'm, I am standing here in the pulpit. I'm not always carrying the Bible, but the Word of God goes with me. My attitude, my personality goes with me. Am I perfect? Well, all God's people said absolutely not, right? Not, not, not amen. Uh, not perfect. But here's what you need to know. When Jesus Christ changed my life, I was just like Nicodemus. Preachers would preach messages. I had to go to church, right? 
I'd hear messages, and I like Jesus. I told you that before. I thought Jesus was pretty cool. He healed the sick. He made deaf people uh, uh, hear. He even spit on two occasions, right? And my mom always told us, quit spitting, because boys in the country like to spit. I didn't know why I spit. I played baseball, but I realized it was actually because everybody around me chewed tobacco, and they spit. So I was just a common pickup. Does that gross anybody out? Well, if it does, Jesus spit, okay? So I was just like Jesus, right? Um, so I like Jesus, didn't like the people that were around uh, preaching and teaching about Jesus. Didn't like church folks very much because I saw their faults. But that was easy to do because I was a sinner. Therefore, sinners can identify what? Sin. We're professionals, right? We can point yours out quicker than we can see ours in the mirror. Nicodemus, same way, knew that he was a sinner, knew that he could not keep the law. The law, every time the law said, thou shalt not, Nicodemus knew in his heart that he wanted to. Every time it said, thou shalt, Nicodemus like, I don't want to. Have you ever been in that place in your life before? You're like, I just wish I had a good, right relationship with God. I wish I wouldn't say this or do this or act that way. And then what happens is you turn back around and your body says, let's go do it. And you're like, mm, okay, let's take a vote. Me, myself, and I, two to one, let's go. Uh, somebody outvotes somebody. And then you go and do the wrong thing. That's the human nature that's in, within us. And this is Nicodemus. Again, a senior adult, so if you're younger, Obviously, this man's asking a question. I want you to go all the way down to verse 16. We've known this if you've ever been in church and find out, because what I'm about to get into, you'll think, if you're not careful, when we talk about a corrupt body, you'll think that God hates you and that God is condemning you. I've got good news for you today. Jesus himself is speaking. If you have a red-lettered edition Bible, it's probably in red letters. I know it is. And it's Jesus speaking of himself and of God. So therefore, when Jesus speaks about God, guess who he's speaking about? Himself. When Jesus speaks about himself, guess who he's speaking about? God. Jesus is God. Watch what he said. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Somebody would say, listen, all you Christians do is condemn other people. Well, guess who Christians are? Formerly condemned sinners. Amen. Look around the room. Junkies, you name it. I don't know what all y'all did, and I know it was not good because it's sin, right? There's some bad stuff in your life, severe, serious stuff in your life. If we put your face up on the screen and all of a sudden, uh, what was it, uh, One Life to Live or something, they used to have a thing, this is your life, and they would show you from all the way back in the day, and they would show your life. What if somebody showed your life and had a secret camera when you were in middle school? How about high school? How about college? How about shortly after college or shortly after high school when you didn't know what you really wanted to do? You didn't know who you were going to date, but you ended up doing some really vile things. How about those late nights on Saturday night, Friday night? So what if it popped up on the screen because the secret camera showed what you did in secret? Anybody want to see their this is my life up on the screen in that way? Well, the Lord sees it all, does he not? The Bible says, where can I go to hide from your from your spirit. And the Bible says, nowhere, height, depth, anywhere I go, guess who's there? God. And he, he knows all things. The Bible says, we're going to give an account for all things. Now, if we're a Christian, all of our sinful things, watch this. Let me read it. Let me just go ahead and let Jesus say it for himself. Let's get, look at, watch verse 18. He who believes in him, that's Jesus, is not condemned. Is that good news? Amen, it is. But he, in this, he or she, 
who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Because you don't believe in the name of Jesus Christ, you don't trust Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, as bad as they are, he died for those sins. Because you don't believe, you stand condemned before God. But if you would believe, the opposite is true, that God will not condemn you. Because Jesus said, watch, verse 19, and this is condemnation that the light, that's Jesus, the glory of God has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing, that's the key word, evil, hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he or she who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds or her deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. And we'll continue uh, that message at a later time. But I want you to see, brothers and sisters, listen, we all came to the cross of Jesus Christ condemned, did we not? Sinners born of sin because mama gave birth to us. The Bible says we're born into sin. We don't have a choice. Didn't get to choose that when you were born. But you did have a choice as you got older. You chose to sin. We willfully choose to sin, even today. Even today, even Christians. And the Bible says if we confess our sins, right, First John 1, 9, he's faithful and just to do what? To forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's these bodies that Paul's talking about to the church of Corinth. He's saying, listen, church of Corinth, you guys have been through, you're young Christians, you're five years or less old in Christ. You're still making silly, sinful mistakes. You're still actually now are listening to people that have come and joined your congregation, and they're saying, oh, yeah, I'll tell you about my God, right? My God would never send anybody to hell. My God, and they start talking about my God, my God, and their God is not the God of the Bible. When you go to work or school, even in your homes, be careful that you beat a quick path back to the Word of God. Because if somebody tells you something about God and it's not true, and I was glad I had my class today. They corrected me today on, on the celestial and terrestrial bodies. Thank you, Taylor, and the rest of the group. I had it backwards this morning because I didn't have my notes with me. And so uh, be careful that you listen to what's being said and you verify it as the Bereans did. They check the Scriptures daily. Does the Bible say that? And I can tell you this, if you're living in sin today, if you're practicing sin, the Word of God will offend you. Everybody that talks to you will make you angry. You're like, who are you to judge me? Here's the good news. I am nobody to judge you, but I can talk about the one who does judge righteously, right? What does God say about sin? If you walked up and said, here's my sin of choice, what does God say about it? It's sin. He didn't measure the sin. This one's this big. We even talk about lies, don't we? Little white lies. I don't know what green and red and all those lies look like, but we always talk about little white lies. It's just a little white lie. And I was told a long time ago, even, even an excuse. What is an excuse? It's a lie rolled up in a disguise to, to lead somebody from the truth. I couldn't be there because, and you lie. That's a lie from God. I mean, a lie in front of the presence of God. I want you to get into the Word today, and let's watch this. I'm going to try to go... This is several messages at once, so we're going to go lightning fast through the notes. Let's read in 1 Corinthians 15, and we're going to jump right into verse 35. Now, Paul's going to say some things because there's some people in church. If you remember last week, there were people that were ignorant of God, and they taught people to go away from God. They were teaching a religion, but they were not teaching Christianity. They were not teaching from the Word of God or the words of God because, remember, they only had the Old Testament. These people... 
this is being written while we read, uh, as we read it, it was, it was not written, but it was being written as Paul addresses the church. All right? So they didn't have the New Testament, but they had the Old Testament, which speaks to this. Verse 35, but someone will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Foolish one. That's a strong statement because Jesus had called no man a fool, right? Foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he pleases. Mark that in your Bible if you mark your Bible. It's God who gives it a body as he pleases. And to each seed, its own body. All flesh is not the same flesh. But there is one kind of flesh of men, another kind of flesh of animals, another of fish, and another of birds. Anybody going to eat any of those animals today for lunch? We're eating a cow at my house today. I understand there's a roast, right? We're going to put the animal of that, the flesh of that animal in the ministry today. We're going we're gonna to eat it. I smelled it when it started this morning. I saw it when I passed by, come to church this morning. It's on, in the crock pot ready to roll, all right? You understand this, right? We understand men. We understand women. We understand animals. We understand fish and birds, do we not? Then he transitions again. It says, verse 40, there are celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies, but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory for the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars, for one star differs from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It, it is raised in how? In corruption, meaning it's not going to have any corruption or sin whatsoever. Verse 43, it is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual or glorified body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. Put that in your mind. All this, when I said, I hope your body hurts today, I hope you have all those aches and pains today, you understand what Paul's talking about, right? There's a natural body that breaks down. When you came into this world, you were crying and strong, you used to run and play. How many of us said, wish we had that energy again? You've seen kids playing going, oh, I just wish I had that energy again, right? Do you want to go back in that body and start over? Some people want to redo. I don't want to redo. Right? I'll take the energy without being little and and having to go through all those lessons and whippings I went through, right? Uh, I don't want to go through that again. Here's what Paul is saying. You understand when he speaks of a body that's perishable or corrupt, he means one that is dying daily. When we look at each other, do we not see week after week that we're dying daily? If you were here when I first got here, I used to have hair. I used to have dark hair. This church run it all away. I mean, it was, I'm just kidding. It's just age, right? We age and we look different. Put your high school picture up to what you look like today, unless you're in high school, right? It's different, and we understand we have a time limit. We have an expiration date, do we not? We're just like a gallon of milk. What day does it run out? There is a day it's going to run out. We don't know the date. That's the natural body. But here's the good news. If we have given our hearts and lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, if we've truly been born again and asked him to come into our hearts and lives to take away our sins, the Bible says not only do we have an expiration date on the planet, but we have that first day of eternity when we step across in the glory. You have a spiritual body waiting on you, if you will. If you're a Christian, you have a guarantee of one reserved. Remember when all the iPhones came out? And I joked about getting the iPhone 14 way before it came out. 
Everyone's like, you got a 14? I'm like, no, I just made that up, right? Because it's coming, right? There was, a, there was coming. And there, that's when the 12s were new. I uh, just wanted to jump ahead on numbers, guessing what Google would do, what the, the, um, they would do, right? But I do want you to understand, as we keep reading, I want you to see, look forward, all right? Know this body's breaking down. Know this body hurts. Know this body's going to get sick. Know this body's, it, it, there's an expiration date on this body. But there is that new heavenly body, that new spiritual body, that new glorified body that we're going to get. Watch what Paul says about it. It even says we have a mystery. This is really cool. It's something that we'll talk about in the notes, but it's something that Paul revealed that the Old Testament saints didn't have. They look forward to this. He's going to transition now and tell us a little bit about this body. Verse 45. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a living, life-giving spirit. Adam is all of our grandfathers. Look around. Doesn't matter what your skin color is. Doesn't matter what your tribe. Doesn't matter what your people are. No matter what part of the planet you're from, guess who your daddy is, your great-great-granddaddy. It's Adam. We're all from one common grandfather, and we all have one common grandmother. That's what's foolish about talking about race today. It's the dumbest thing on the planet. It's from Satan when someone tries to race bait you or someone tries to start talking about race. Ethnicities are true. Cultures are true. But the race is one. It's one human race. So don't get tied up in that stupidity of, of the black, white, brown issue. There's one family, and, his, and our grandfather's Adam, and our grandmother's Eve. Adam was made from the dust of the ground, the Bible says. Is that true? Go back and look in Genesis 1 and 2. Go back and read it for yourself. Out of the dust, out of the ground, he formed Adam, and he breathed into his nostrils, and he became a living soul. Is that hard for you to believe? It was for me for a while. I'm like thinking, okay, how's that happen? The other option that we have today is what? Boom! And there we are. Little pond scum crawled out and became a chicken and some became a man and some became a tree. Right? You say, Pastor, you don't know your science. Neither do they. Right? We already talked about evolution. How can a chicken become a chicken? Did the toenail start first or did the brain start? Without a heart, the brain doesn't function. Right? Without a brain, the toenail doesn't function. It, it, this cannot happen and it will not happen. God created all things in the beginning. And look what happens. That's by faith. The Bible tells us truly from the word of God that that is by faith. Adam was created from the dust of the ground. And out of Adam came Eve. He took the rib and made Eve. This is what the word of God teaches you and me today. Well, Paul comes back and Paul believed it. Paul surely had his PhD. And he says this, the first man was earth made of dust. That's straight from the book of Genesis. The second man is the Lord from heaven, verse 47. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. Look around. Everybody take a look to your left and right. You can probably call somebody a dirt bag and get away with it, right? Because you're a bag of dirt. Look at that. We're soil. We are just walking around. Now, we're some pretty soil, right? Uh, there's some attractive soil. There's some funny-looking soil. But listen, ultimately, 200 years from now, what are you and I going to look like? We would look exactly the same. Black dirt, rich black fertilizer, right? You say, Pastor, this is morbid. It is until we get to the next verse. Because if our hope is only here and now and we're breaking our necks to make it here and now, guess what's going to happen? You're going to leave everything you have here and now. And listen, I hope that you have a hereafter through Jesus Christ. Let's continue. For the second part of 48, and also, and as is the heavenly man, that's Jesus, so also are those who are heavenly. 
And you don't get to be heavenly until you give your heart and your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 49, and as we have borne the image of the man of dust, that's what we got right here, shall, uh, so shall we, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man, that's Jesus Christ. As Jesus, his heavenly body is, his new spiritual body, that's what mine's going to be like. Now, I won't look necessarily like Jesus in the image, his face and things, but as Jesus is, I will be. Now, i got to be honest with you. This is where questions come up. When I was a kid, I remember Jesus came back to his disciples in the upper room, and they were afraid that it was a ghost. And he says, I'm not a ghost. Give me something to eat. What do you have to eat? And he ate it. You know what my biggest question I had? And I said, I'll believe if I could figure this out. Did he use the bathroom after he ate the fish and honeycomb? As a kid, my brain's thinking of everything, right? Does that new body have to go to the bathroom? You, you laugh and take a look around. Kids, are, their minds are thinking when you're talking, listen, there has to be an answer. What's a good answer for that? We don't know, but we'll find out when we get to heaven because we're going to get that new body as well, and there's food in heaven, right? So we don't know, but there's food in heaven. I don't know if there's golden toilets in heaven or not. I don't know. It doesn't matter now that I'm old, but when I was a kid, it was one of those real hang-up questions for me, like did Jesus have to go to the bathroom after he ate the fish in the honeycomb? You say, that's silly. I was a child. Give me a break, okay? Today, it doesn't matter because I'll find out because I'm going to get a body just like his. Amen? Let's continue. Now, 50, he's going to transition. And if you will, I had a top secret clearance when I was in the military. And we had to guard those secrets. And we would have to take even to the captain of the ship. He was an engineer, didn't have a need to know everything we had in our space. But we had to give him a top secret report because of some issues we had back in the 70s, if you know uh, what happened in the, with the Pueblo and things like that. So we would walk the board, the top secret board, up to the captain, and we would hand it to him. And, of course, the quartermasters and all the other guys were trying to take the big eyes and look over. They had no clearance. They couldn't see the stuff. And we would guard it. Stop, man, stop. I'm going to shoot you if you don't stop, right? We would joke that we were going to shoot him with a 45, and, and we would want the captain to read it. And, of course, the captain is reading it like the newspaper. He's just not taking any kind of care with it. And we're like, Captain, this is top secret information. You need to keep it, you need to keep it closed so you can read it like a book. Petty Officer Smith, I'll do what I want to do, right? So he just let out top secret and there was, and then we were the Coast Guard. The Coast Guard would get secret information we'd give them about drug ops, and they would go down to the mess hall and eat dinner or lunch and leave the secret documents on the table. Foolish men. They were foolish people. We hated working with the Coast Guard. So they would because they didn't keep anything that we did confidential or secret or top secret. Here Paul is going to reveal something top secret. It's as if it's stamped at the top, top secret, code word, right? Top secret, code word. It's stamped twice. We get to open up this envelope for us. Now the people of the Old Testament didn't have it, but you and I, listen, there is top secret data that God's revealing through Paul that he's going to write here today. Well, let's, then let's open up the envelope. Here we go. Let's tear it open. Now I say this, uh, I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So you understand these bodies will not go to heaven, right? Nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a top secret mystery here, if you will. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be, what does your Bible say? Changed, all right? So some are going to sleep and some are not going to sleep, meaning some are going to die and some are not going to die. Verse 52, in a moment... In a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be, what does your Bible say? Changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. 
So when the corruptible, that's this body, has put on incorruption, that's the new heavenly body, and this mortal, that's this body, has put on immortality, that's that new body, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? Then Paul answers this, the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That's important. Switch over to your notes really quick. Let me go through these for you so you can actually have something to talk about at work or at home or around the dinner table. I want you to see that when we, you got the message there, the message title, Spiritual, Imperishable, Raised in Glory, and Power, Resurrected Bodies. That's what you and I have waiting for us that, that one day. Does anybody have their new bodies yet? That's a question, all right? So question is, when you die today, what happens to me today? If, if I'm a Christian, let's give two scenarios. This is, Christ, this is the non-Christian side, and this is the Christian side. Non-Christian dies, what happens to their body? Not a Christian, don't want anything to do with God. Maybe you're religious, but don't want anything to do with God. The biblical way. This person has a funeral right here, and uh, we say some nice things about them, but we, I can't lie, I won't lie at your funeral. If you're, if you're lost going to hell, I won't tell anybody you went to heaven, right? You ever been to those funerals with family members like, oh, they had all these lists of sins, but they, were, they, were, they, were, they loved Jesus. They were saved when they were five, and they lived for the devil their whole life. I'm telling you, that person's not saved. There's a limited, there's a season you can live that way, backslidden, and God will correct you quickly, right? Person dies, they die, poof, they're dead. We do their funeral. At the, before their funeral, their body's still here, and their soul is where? In the place of, it's called, it's called Sheol, Hell, Hades, a lot of different names in the Bible. Just call it this, the place of the unrighteous dead. That's where they are. Wherever the unrighteous dead go for generations since the beginning, that's where they are. Now you have the Christian who dies. Here they come, they die. What happens to them? Their body, likely, uh, like so, is right here. It's, it's here, still with us. You still can touch their hands. It feels like skin. They're here. But their soul is not here. Where are they? They are in the presence of the Lord. They're in the, we're the place where the righteous dead go. Do you understand? So the proper, as we talk about, somebody says, go to hell, right? They want you to go and die and burn in flames. That place is, there's nobody occupying that place yet except um, there's these crazy angels that are locked into this abode of the unrighteous dead with those people that are there. They're in torment. It's a terrible, terrible place right now. But the Bible says God's going to call all those people up one at a time and give an account. It's called the Great White Throne Judgment. Look, read Revelation, you can find it. And he's going to cast everyone into the lake of fire where he casts death, the beast, and the devil. All right? That's the ultimate. So they can't get out of here except to be taken up, judged, and cast into the lake of fire. There is no hope for these people. These people, on the other hand, immediately at the moment of death, they're in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. The righteous, we call it paradise, or you call it heaven. But that's not the end game for them either because there's a new heaven and a new earth coming. So you don't just float in heaven as a spiritual being. You don't turn into an angel. You know, everybody puts them back in their car. Haven't got a new angel today? Nope, not making new angels up in heaven. They don't produce anything, right? Humans do not become angels when they die. You never will be. Angels don't become humans. Well, they can look like a human. In the Old Testament, we see that. But 
They do not, you, uh, humans do not become angels when you die. Is everybody clear? You don't get an angelic body. You get a spiritual body made in the image of Christ. Whatever Christ looked like, that's what you're going to look like, all right? And we see that in Matthew. We can actually read those. All right, let me give you these really quick. The apostle Paul shamed the foolish and ignorant ones within the Corinthian church, philosophizing against the revelation regarding resurrection because they did not understand how. How does this happen? Can I still tell you today as a pastor, I still don't know how it happens because this is God's business. Uh, I don't know how many things happen. I don't understand how trees grow fully, right? I don't understand how babies have breath when they're born from liquid. I don't understand. I don't get, I don't get it. I don't understand how a lot of things work in life, but I see a lot of it. I don't even understand how electricity works. Do you? Some of you, if you're electricity, you say, yeah, I do. Okay, well, God bless you and teach us, right? But if you're unknown or ignorant and you stick your finger, you say, I don't believe in electricity, and you take a, a fork or you take a metal object and you stick in both sides of that uh, power outlet, what's going to happen? You're going to become a believer really quick, will you not? Right? Because you're going to feel that shock. Well, this is the way it was. They're like, they didn't understand the how. Look at your notes there. People within the church measured God's power by their limited intelligence and refused to believe anything which they could not explain. Is that happening in our churches today, in our world today? Yeah, if somebody says, I'm an atheist, that's one of the craziest things to say, right? I told you last week, like I said this week, I never preach against fairies, ever. Why? Because I don't believe they're real, and therefore there's, no, there's not sermons today against fairies. I'm not going to preach against fairies. I'm not going to preach against things that are mythological. I'm not going to preach against because I don't believe in them. So when someone argues against God, it tells me they believe there's a God. They just got a barrier. They love their darkness more than they love the light. Somebody that's agnostic, oh, there's a God, but I can't, I don't know if I can believe anyone or know him. He's out there somewhere. Well, that's the worst kind of God to have, isn't it? Does he have lightning bolts to hit you with? Uh, is he going to permit, permit everything in your life to go on? Is he going to help you in time of need? That's a terrible God to have. The Bible says we serve the God who is sovereign over all things, meaning he has all power, all authority, all knowledge. You have a God who uh, made the sun. My God created the sun, moon, and stars on day four. Right? You know, match anybody on this planet with what their, what their God can or can't do, or if they even have a God, what does their God do? All things. All things. He created life. He made the fishbowl for the fish, did he not? That's what I tell the little kids when I teach them. It's like having an aquarium when you get home, you, you get that first gulpy or you get that first goldfish. If you just leave them in that Ziploc bag, what's going to happen? They're going to turn upside down faster than they do when they get in your aquarium, right? But you set the aquarium, you put those rocks in, you put everything in that's necessary or what you want for that fish to live, and then you put the fish in the water. That's what God did for us. He created all of creation, guys. How many of y'all love to eat fruit? You love to eat food. You love to eat the things that are actually grown in the ground. You love those things. It's because God has put those things for you and me. That's the God that we serve. That's the creator God, and he's the creator of all people, but he's not the father of all people. The Bible says you have a choice. Even Jesus himself said you are of your father, the devil. And we preached a sermon not long ago again, who is your daddy? Your daddy is either God the father or your daddy is Satan. And you're going to serve him. And you, it'll show out who's your daddy because you'll act like your father, right? It, it'll come out in your daily living. Watch this. Paul refuted the foolish propagandists by reminding them God is creator and it is he who created all bodies as he pleased. Paul did not base his resurrection truth on uh, principles of philosophy 
but on the power of God as declared by the word of God. Now, I hope you take time to look up those scriptures because it was very clear that it was God who chose, God did it as he pleased, and it's God who actually has the power of God to actually do the things that's himself, power of himself to do what he does. The celestial bodies, those sun, moon, and stars, and all the things out there that we see, Paul said there's a type of body like that, but then he's also this terrestrial bodies, everything on this planet, everything from the dirt. We see this, God created Adam, and therefore by birth, we received our natural bodies. Is that true? Look around, pinch yourself. Someone tried to pinch me under the arm this morning, they know who they are. Look around, see if you see them smiling. I almost elbowed them in the face. Go ahead and look around, look to your left and right, see if you see that person. I won't look at them directly, but I, I just crossed up your, I crossed them up just now. They almost got the elbow of the pastor this morning in the nose because we still have natural bodies. If I pinch your skin, what's going to happen? I'm going to respond, right? Are you going to respond to me? All right. Well, look at this very clearly. God created Adam, and therefore by birth we received our natural bodies, perfectly suited for what? Planet Earth. This is here. Our natural bodies became corrupt and mortal the day Adam sinned. Adam and Eve sinned. Aging, deterioration, and eventual death now affect all of us. From dust we came, and to dust we shall return. Does anybody like that? I don't like getting older in the sense of, I like the kind of the intelligence that comes with getting older and don't do that again, right? You ever stuck your finger on a hot stove? Best way, was, parents today are constantly telling their kids not to do it. And I, I watched Alex uh, with the grandkids, don't do that, don't do that. I was like, just let them touch it. Let them touch it. If they touch it, guess what they won't ever do again? Touch it. If you tell them five times, don't touch it, and then you have to keep, don't touch it, don't touch it. Let them touch it one time. At my house, it's red. Touch it if you want to. Touch it. Right? You're going to burn that finger. And you're going to quickly know, I will never touch a hot stove again. Right? It's like licking an icy pole. No, don't do it. Okay, try it. Stick your tongue to it. Right? There's one way to learn. So, listen, we're here like this. We understand these bodies are like we are. We understand we're fallen. But as we get older, we understand all these things are coming. If we get look, aging, check. Deterioration, check. Eventual death, who's looking forward to that? Yay, I can't wait to die. Well, you're not in your right mind if you're in that mindset, but I can't wait to get to the new spiritual body, right? Now, when I die, this person over here in the unrighteous dead who died without Christ, they still don't have their new bodies. Their soul is still living in torment. The like sign, the people that are over here that have died in Christ don't have their new bodies yet. Your loved ones who have died and gone to heaven they don't have their new bodies yet. They're still waiting. Their souls are there in the presence of God. Well, what are they like? I used to hear that and go, what, are they just floating? We think of movies and things we see about heaven. What's happening to them? There's praise and worship going on in heaven. There's somehow, like today when you sang, your voice, when I sang, I heard myself, I was like, I hope Mitchell does not turn my microphone on because I already had it on. If y'all heard me sing, you would absolutely like, who is that? And I'm mic'd up, so I usually take it off. And at the invitation, I take it off because I don't want people, and I cut it off. I don't want people to hear me speak to you, or I want to keep it confidential. And I keep my singing confidential as well because if you hear it, it's like, what is that noise? There's a humming. There's some awful sound in the church. It's me. Just FYI. Uh, but listen, I give it to the Lord. I want to praise him, right, with all my heart, but it's really not my heart. My bloody heart is not what's singing. What is it? It's all my Soul, everything within me that he saved is in my body. My body hurts and I don't want to do nothing. I don't even want to open my mouth. You ever been there? 
Sometimes whenever I heard Chris and Caitlin singing this morning, and listen, I, when I, Sam, when Sam sings, I'm trying to get my voice deep like Sam, right? I, when, I, when I hear them sing, sometimes, and this might sound mystical and crazy, but it's true, sometimes I just have to let my soul, if you will, as it's praising the Lord, join with their voices and go to the Lord with that. You ever been there? Like, Lord, I can't even, I can't even sing this song. It's too high, too low. It's not in any kind of range. that I, I, I sing all kind of ranges, but not at the same time. Uh, or at the same time. The point being is when we worship, we worship with all of our soul. We say heart. I love grandma with all my heart. We don't mean our bloody muscle. We mean with all of who we are. And that person with who we are is in heaven if we passed away today, if we're Christians. That person, still that personality that God made is in hell today if they've never received the Lord Jesus Christ. They're the same person, but they have got no hope, no future. These people are awaiting new bodies. I've got bad news as well. These people are awaiting new bodies as well. They're going to get an everlasting body just like these people get. So this one's going to be sustained for the new heaven and the new earth to live forever and praise God forever and work. This new body is going to be put in the place of hell, lake, lake of fire, to be tormented forever. They will feel the pain of hell. You say, well, how can that be? Read the scriptures. I don't like it any more than you do. I can't stand the thought of a friend of mine or a family member of mine who's died and gone to hell. When I sit down and have those quiet moments and think, Come on, God, let them punish them for a thousand years and then let them out, right? Give them, okay, give them 10,000 years and then let them out. Uh, you try to justify because if you understand that place, you won't know when to go there. If you understand what hell truly is about, it's not a, we used to sing when we were kids, the highway to hell. ACDC told us hell's bells are ringing. And I told you, heaven was this floating on cloud mess and hell was a party place. I'm like, I'm going to hell with all my friends. I'd much rather go to hell than sit on the cloud. It was because my environment told me so. The church wasn't teaching me about that place. And the church wasn't teaching me about that place. I heard harps in those dumb kids' Bibles with the pictures in them that had little fat baby angels floating on clouds. And, and people telling me in church that, oh, haven't got a new uh, uh, angel today. Please don't ever tell your, if a baby dies, don't say, haven't got a new angel today. If your grandma dies, don't say she's in the heavenly choir singing so loud. There's a new southern gospel song. I hate it with all of my heart. I heard it the other day flipping channels, talking about heaven's been improved now that grandma's in the choir. God forbid. Will you rejoice? Yes, but you don't make heaven better. You can't make heaven better because Jesus is there. And when Jesus is there, it's done. You just get to join in. But please don't let all these stereotypical things that we just say because it makes us feel better Change our theology. Those people have no hope. Those people have hope. They're waiting on a new body. They're waiting on a new spiritual body. They're going to be glorified. They're going to be cast into the lake of fire to die forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. They will never come out of the pit of hell. It makes me sick to my stomach to think about that. But if I don't tell you the truth and you go there sitting under my teaching, God forbid your blood's going to be on my hands and I'll give an account for you. Tell your brothers, tell your sisters, tell your aunts and your uncles, your coworkers, tell your professors, tell those people who make fun of you, tell those people that you love, tell those people that hate you, tell everyone about hell, tell everyone about heaven because the scripture's clear. It is there are two real places and you're going to go either or. You don't have a choice. 
If you don't choose Christ, you choose hell. If you say, I'm not going to make a choice, you choose hell. You must physically, you must mentally, you must spiritually choose to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That way your spiritual glorified body is put on reservation forever in heaven. Whenever you get there, the dead in Christ, I want to be buried at sea. I told Wendy, I want to be buried at sea. I used to drop sailors in the ocean all the time when I was in the Navy. In their urns, of course, not, not the actual sailors. What happens to all that? We're going to be scattered all over the world. Ashes we came from, ashes we will return. Is that true? It's a sad, morbid thought. But here's the good news. Let's finish it. Let's go ahead and finish it. Paul taught that after the resurrection, Christians are given a new spiritual body because of the second Adam, that's Jesus, and that body will be perfectly suited for the new heaven and the new earth. The power of corruption, that's sin, how we're broken, is broken by the divine power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which gives all Christians access to eternity in the kingdom of God. You have full access. You have the clearance to go anywhere, everywhere in heaven that you want to go. You have access to the Father. You have access to your brothers and sisters. You have access to anyone that's in heaven. You have access in the kingdom of God. And that's some good news today. Paul revealed a secret truth about a future sudden transformation date for all Christians. Here's the mystery. God will resurrect all believers who have died, give them glorified or spiritual bodies, and take them from the earth while simultaneously snatching away all living believers, transforming them to their glorified bodies on the way up to heaven. This mystery is referred to as the rapture, or simply put, God removing his people from the earth to prepare for his imminent judgment. This is truth from the word of God. The word rapture is not in the Bible. Some people say, you can't find the word rapture. No, but the Greek word means raptero, to snatch up, to take away. But I want to encourage you, the word Bible is not in the Bible either, okay? So don't let people get all hung up on words and silly stuff. Paul thanked God for the ultimate victory over death Christians have through Jesus' resurrection. He said, thanks be to God. The Lord Jesus Christ inevitably has removed death's stinger and defeated death eternally. Anybody ever been stung by a bee or a hornet? Honeybees? Hornets are the best, are they not? You ever seen your friend get stung or a brother or sister get stung by hornets? It's one of my all-time hilarious moments to watch people get stung. But isn't it right, Mitchell? People get stung by bees. When wasps, somebody gets stung by wasps, it's part of my corrupt nature. I do know that. But I absolutely love to watch people get stung by bees. I don't mind getting stung myself. I will take a few stings to watch you get stung. So if you're ever around me and there's a wasp nest, what are we going to do, Mitchell? We're going to throw some dirt clots at that wasp nest, are we not? And if I get stung, it hurts and I'm running like everybody else. But when you get people stung, it just brings joy to my heart. It's part of my broken nature, okay? I'm just telling you. But if you see a hornet's nest, it's going to get some rocks to it, right? And you better run because they can find you for a long, long time. Honeybees, well, they, they sting you. And guess it's only the women who sting you, which is, I mean, the girls who sting you. Only they have stingers. Sounds about right, doesn't it, right? Right, women? I'm just kidding. But, you know, they break off the stinger and leave it with you. It kills them. It rips them apart. But it hurts you, Right? So that sting, if you've never been stung or bitten by fire ants, you don't understand. Paul said, listen, oh, death, where is your sting? And the answer is, who took the stinger out of the stinger? The Lord Jesus Christ. When he died on the cross, if you read that Revelation scripture I gave you there, it says, listen, he has all authority. He has the keys of death and hell, and he's taken them, and he's going to cast them into the lake of fire. For eternity, there are no more. There is no more sting of death. There's no stingers anymore. But brothers and sisters, friends, listen to me. 
If you haven't given your heart and life to Jesus Christ, that sting of death is going to last forever for you. You'll be dead living forever. It's a horrible, horrible thing. If you'd like to talk about it more after church, I'd love to talk with you. Let me finish this last note here. Paul encouraged the church to continuously do the work of the Lord. A reward is coming. And I put a bunch of scriptures there for you. Listen, somebody told me not long ago, hey, Pastor, don't preach about rewards because then we'll, we'll do something really weird and be overzealous for God. Can you possibly be overzealous for God if you're doing it righteously? No. But read those passages of scriptures, look them up. There's crowns of righteousness, crowns of life. There's rewards waiting for those in heaven who do what God says to do. We've said it a thousand times here at Town Creek Baptist Church. If you do it God's way, what happens? You get God's results every single time. How do we actually get to heaven? By giving our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. That is God's way. It's not doing good deeds. It's not praying certain prayers. It's not, it's not helping uh, the widows and the fatherless. Even though we're called to do that after we're saved, you get saved and go to heaven because you've given your heart and life to Jesus Christ. It's like this. Enemies shooting you down. And you can put up a good fight because you have resources, you have people, you have a background, you have an education, and you're giving it back. But you know you're taking on fire, you're taking on shots. The enemy's about to take over you, and there's only one way out of this, truly, to live. And how is it? It's to raise the white flag of surrender and put it up and say, I quit. I surrender. So I'm putting myself fully in your hands. You're my enemy because the Bible says you're the enemy of God when you're not saved. You're at enmity. You're at war with God. And the white flag of surrender says, listen, I surrender all to Jesus Christ. I give up. I'm not going to fight back. I'm just, I don't fully understand it. It's as if I'm standing on the diving board. It's like this. I I surrender. I'm in the deep end with Christ. You won't know everything right away. It might take years and years and years to learn scriptures, but when you surrender, hey, I want to surrender my life to Christ. It's not, I want to just give my life, I want to give my heart to Jesus, right? We ask kids that many times. It's a full surrender. All your sin, got to go. But you don't have to make it go. Guess what happens? In your life, still works in our lives, my life, God will put his finger on that sin going, that one's got to go. Right? You ever pray? Said, Lord, would you reveal to me my sins and would you show me where I'm short? That one, that one, that friend, you got to put them at a distance. That relationship, you got to break that relationship off and pray for that person, right? Because we led, read last week that bad company corrupts good morals. You hang around the wrong people, guess what's going to happen? You're going to learn their ways, you're going to act just like them. God calls us to be, here's a big church word, sanctified, right? Set apart. Give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Surrender all. Put up the white flag of surrender saying, I quit. Even if I want to fight back the next time, I can't because I'm under the, now he's not your enemy. He's your father. You're under the wing of God, and he's going to direct your life. He said, I'm going to seal you to the day of redemption, and nothing's going to be able to take you out of my hand. That's where I live today. So look, am I waiting for that new body? Oh, yeah. I'm waiting for the rapture. I told you, I get in the elevators. University Hospital, now Piedmont, is the best one. Hit the, I hope nobody's on the floors. I, hit, I push button number 10 when I visit somebody in the hospital. Push 10, that thing will take off. It's like a lightning, like a rocket's underneath it. I practice my takeoff going to heaven when I get on that, right? So I just want you to know I'm ready for that day. I won't feel ripped off if God comes back and I die before then. Uh, but I do, I do want that day to happen while I'm living, right? Because the dead in Christ is going to be resurrected with new bodies, and those of us will be walking and poof, changed.
and meet with them in the sky, right? That's what the Bible says. Be changed in that. Watch this. Everybody blink your eyes one time and I'll close the service. Everybody blink. In a twinkle of eyes, how fast it's going to happen. I'm waiting for that day. Are you? I'm waiting to see the Lord Jesus Christ face to face. I'm tired of these bodies sometimes breaking down, right? And it hurts and pains. That's why I said today, listen, when you come in here, I hope you had all kind of junk going wrong in your life. Because if your life's going down, you go, amen to this corrupt body. Amen to this body that's falling apart. But amen to that new heavenly body that I'm going to get. Wait for me one day in glory. I got that new body waiting. I can't wait to see what it looks like. It's probably going to be like looking like stud or something. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I can't wait. The Bible says you'll know me. We'll be known as we're known. So I will know you. You'll know me. We're not all babies. We're not uh, senior adults. Don't turn into the 20-year-olds. We don't, we don't know what happens because everybody will tell you what happens. We don't know fully. We just said we know from Scripture we're going to get that new body. And listen, that new body is going to be like Christ. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much that there is hope for the future for those who love the Lord Jesus Christ, those who have surrendered fully to the call that you put on our lives. Father, we were condemned because we liked our sins. We, we went out partying. We did all the crazy things other people did. Some were saved as children, and they, Lord, you kept them through the, through the years. Some saved as teenagers in 20s and 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and Lord, in our church, even in the 80s. So we celebrate today, Lord, that you're no man or woman, boy or child are, are, are far enough away from you, Lord, that they can't be saved. All they do is take that first step saying, I don't fully understand, but I want that, what you're talking about today. Lord, we all did that. Somebody led us. We heard the gospel. We heard the truth. And either by ourselves or with someone, Lord, we prayed and asked you to come into our hearts and lives. Forgive us for those awful sins that we've done. And, Lord, you made us fresh and new. Not only did you make us for here and now, Lord, you saved us to do good works, but for the hereafter, Lord, we have forever awaiting us. We can't wait, Lord, to see you face to face one day. We walk by faith, but one day we shall see you by sight. What a glorious day that's going to be. In Jesus' name we pray for his sake. Amen.